Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Now mihi nui and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's Our Changing World. The University of Canterbury is a world leader in earthquake engineering, especially in the use of precast concrete. And as well as buildings, they have a strong research focus on bridges. During the Canterbury earthquakes of 2010 and 2011, more than half of the more than 200 bridges in Christchurch were damaged, giving an added impetus to the work being carried out at the College of Engineering. Alison heads to the university's structural testing lab to meet PhD students Zainab Chigini and Royce Liu, who are carrying out some of the biggest bridge-building tests in the southern hemisphere. This bridge is made of precast concrete sections that are cast off-site, and then they are brought on-site. It's, it's a bit like uh, Lego with concrete uh, components, basically. Lots of bridges in Christchurch needs to be rehabilitated or let's say retrofitted or replaced. And one problem in bridge retrofitting is the traffic and the disruption it causes. So if we have the option to cast elements off-site and construction off-site and then bring them on-site and, you know, assemble them together, it makes it way faster. So traditionally what's happened? Usually concrete bridges are cast in situ. That means you take the formwork on site and then you pour the concrete. And then you have to allow time for the curing of the concrete. And there's also the, the element of construction quality, with, which reduces because of that. Whereas if you build the elements in a factory, you can get higher quality concrete and then also higher workplace safety. Great. So do you want to talk me through the bridge? What are the different parts of it? For our purposes, you could divide it into a substructure section and a superstructure section. So the superstructure would be the basically the deck or whatever holds the vehicles and the pedestrians on it. And the substructure would be the abutments, the cap beam, the pier, and the foundations and the piles supporting it. Now in terms of this bridge testing, you're both testing essentially the same components. So you're interested in the superstructure? I'm working on the superstructure, the low damage rocking superstructure, whereas Royce is interested in the substructure. And what specifically about the substructure interests you? I'm looking at the bridge pier. Because the pier supports the superstructure, it's vitally important that it's able to sustain earthquake loading uh, and not become damaged uh, so as to force the bridge to be closed for, say, inspection or repair. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, ways of trying to improve upon your current construction methods. So talk me through the, the superstructure here. What's different from a standard one? 
if you have a simply supported bridge, you have the substructure and the superstructure sits on it. And you can have something isolating the superstructure from the substructure. And because of that, when an earthquake hits, an earthquake, you could compare it to a lateral load acting on the bridge. So it could unseat the superstructure and displace it, or even in extreme cases, make it fall off. Okay, so it could, could either shunt it to the side or, as you say, yes. push it off completely. Yes, if it's simply supported, it could do that. And so in our case, we're trying to connect the superstructure elements together using post-tensioning tendons. So these tendons act sort of like an elastic band that hold the components together and don't allow them to displace very much. So what do you got here, Royce? Uh, so this is essentially what Zainab is describing, but on a smaller model. Uh, as Zainab was saying, um, basically what she's done is uh, put post-tensioning through both of the decks and into the abutments uh, where they're uh, well fixed in place. And then as the bridge is allowed to uh, be displaced during an earthquake, uh, due to the loads imposed by the earthquake, the tendons elongate and prevent the decks from falling off uh, and also providing a a restoring force that brings the decks back in line. So on this model here, Zainab, there's a, a long like, elastic band running through the middle. That's the tendon? The post-tensioning tendons, which in an actual bridge would be made out of high-strength steel. So that's what's I, running along the floor here? Yes. Seven high-strength steel wires, uh, which have been wound together to form a cable. So although this is very stiff, but because this is also very long, so we have 10 metres, 11 metres of this length, and if you have 1% extension or contraction in this length, you get quite a significant amount of deformation. Is that something that needs to be replaced, or is it something that's inherently in the bridge, it just allows it to flex, there's an earthquake, it flexes and does its thing, and then the bridge just carries on? Yes. Pretty much. We, it doesn't need to be replaced after an earthquake. Our aim is to design it so that it's a low damage bridge, so it needs minimum repair after an earthquake. So our aim is to have the tendon be intact, remain intact after an earthquake. So how did you go about testing that? So is this the bridge that we're looking at that you were... This is the superstructure. So how big is it? It's pretty huge. This is 4.2 metres by 2.4 metres and we have two of them. So the bridge itself is something around 10 metres long and 2.5 metres wide. What's its scale compared to a real-life bridge? It's a one-to-three scale. It's a one-to-three. So to three. it represents a short two-span New Zealand bridge, which would in an actual size be 30 metres long. OK, so it's been disassembled now. So you've already done your testing? Yes, I've done my testing. So how did you do that? So we used, for this proof of concept, we used quasi-static testing. So how this works is that we have hydraulic rams that are connected to towers in the, on the strong floor of the structures lab. And these hydraulic rams are controlled by a computer system, which you can see there. And they, in small increments, they push the bridge and then they pull it back to zero displacement. And then these cycles are repeated until we get enough information about the behavior of the bridge. The point here is that the bridge is low damage, so instead of having giving it one big push and destroying it, we could give it many pushes and still keep it um, functioning. So the bridge was moving 75 millimetres.
So, yeah, it's quite a lot. What kind of information were you gathering while you were doing it? We were gathering information about the force and the displacement. So we monitor the force, we monitor the displacement, and then we match these two together. So if we are designing a bridge that is going to be used in real life, we know that under this earthquake loading it's going to have this much displacement, and then we can model based on that and go on based on that. So you've got a lot of modelling to do now? Yes. Uh, so after this will be the computer modelling phase where we take this data, put it in the computer and run some mathematical models to extrapolate our data and extend it to a wider range of bridges. And Royce, your testing is about to begin? Uh, yes, in two weeks or so. I will be doing something similar to what Zainab's been doing, except uh, the force it will be applied to the top of the bridge pier instead, which is uh, what I'm more interested in. Um, especially controlling the displacement and the force applied. It will also be tested in a similar uh, manner, quasi-statically, where the load is applied in a slow manner that is close to being static, uh, but not being s truly static because the force is actually changing with time. Uh, and looking at the amount of deformation that the uh, whole bridge system can take, uh, as well as how the bridge as a whole behaves while trying to utilise uh, low damage technology in the bridge pier, which hasn't been done before. So what's, what's novel about your bridge pier? Uh, what's novel about uh, this one is that uh, the pier itself is actually a separate unit to the foundation block which it's sitting on, and there is post-tensioning going right through the pier to clamp the whole assemblage together. Uh, and then these devices called dissipators, uh, which cross the interface between the pier and the foundation block below uh, in order to uh, deform as the pier deforms and absorb energy. Uh, in particular, one of these sets of uh, dissipative devices uh, is designed to activate at a later displacement to the other, and this means that for, say, earthquakes which are more frequent, only one set of dissipative devices is, is relied upon, whilst if the, for much rarer earthquakes, only then is the second set activated, and that means that the bridge has a residual um, energy-absorbing ability uh, that's not uh, used most of the time. With traditional construction, we have the steel on the inside of the bridge pier, and that steel gets damaged during an earthquake just due to the amount of force being applied. And here, what we've done is we've brought that steel to the outside so that we can see the damage that would uh, happen to that steel and then be able to replace it very easily uh, thus reducing the amount of downtime associated with uh, repair. So it's a bit like a fuse? Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. As uh, Stefano uh, Pampanen, a professor here, uh, will coined the term uh, plug-and-play to show how quickly that these devices can be easily replaced and so how little disruption this can cause to normal everyday life or the use of the bridge. So in the same way that Zainab's tendon is quite innovative, 
this is quite different and innovative compared to anything else out there? It builds upon current research where they, they have got dissipators on the outside, but what I'm looking to do specifically is yeah, having that second set, as I previously mentioned, uh, that is there as backup. Built-in redundancy if you need it. Uh, yes, that's correct. So potentially out of this we could end up with a novel design for a precast low-damage bridge. Yes, exactly. Bridges are very important. You know, if you have an earthquake and a residential building gets damaged, that's very unfortunate, but bridges and roads are especially important because they provide lifeline and they can provide a route to get help, to get supplies, yeah, first aid vehicles and other things to the damaged path. So, so that's why we need to especially take care of bridges and keep them low damage and so they re- need minimum repair after an earthquake. Well, I look forward to this new generation of precast low damage bridges. Yes, we, we look forward to being able to use this concept in actual bridges and reducing damage. It's quite exciting uh, to see um, well, research that uh, can help uh, well, society. And that was Royce Liu, and you also heard from Zainab Chigini, both PhD students in the College of Engineering at the University of Canterbury. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.